This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to WPXI Now. It's Wednesday night, and that, of course, means Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with our buddy and our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hi, Albie. Well, um, we don't have to talk about anything else uh, except uh, the Steelers. And, and, and let's start with, you know, we talked a week ago right here, and, and we both felt they'd win this game. And, and I think a lot of people that, that watched these two teams thought that the Steelers were the superior team. They sure didn't look like it from play one on Sunday night. What happened, in your opinion? Well, what happened Sunday night didn't happen Sunday night. It happened in Dallas. It happened in Jacksonville. It happened in Cincinnati. Um, we, we kept seeing this team uh, show that it had no offense, virtually no offense, no ability to throw the ball downfield. And they started to lose their confidence. The 11-0 started turning into an, oh, no, we can't score points. We can't throw the ball downfield. That ended up being something that turned into all kinds of other things. Remember that period where the receivers were all dropping everything that was thrown their way? The running game couldn't move a half a yard. Some of it was confidence-based. Some of it was talent-based, such as the running game. I don't think there anything that happened with the running game finishing dead last in the NFL was a fluke. But everything, from my standpoint, started with the offense because the offense kept the defense on the field too long. The defense wore down, had nothing left through the month of December. Uh, just a bad, bad overall scene. But again, started with the offense. All right, let's go through a number of things here uh, as, as far as where they were and what we saw transpire Sunday night. You talked about the running game, and naturally that was a problem the entire season. Um, so, so what made you, what made me, what, what made anybody – think that they were going to all of a sudden figure things out on Sunday night and, and, and keep going, you know, the, the problems that they've had on the line and, and perhaps some problems with confidence at one point and the drop passes and the key players that they lost on defense and their inability to stop some quality running backs. Nick Chubb, you know, you know, looked like exactly what you described last week, arguably the best runner in the NFL. So were we overrating the Steelers, Dan? Well, you asked what we based it on. We based it on right, we. I'm not a we. I'm a me. <laughs> what I based it on was the 11-0 start. What I based it on was the second half against the Colts in which Everybody involved, and really to the naked eye, looked like a breakthrough offensively. They finally did try to throw the ball downfield, and lo and behold, it worked. And we also, or I also, based it on that the Browns came in with no head coach, with missing a bunch of guys, with no secondary. Uh, Denzel Ward is their only decent defensive back, and he wasn't even in the game. Um, this should have been exactly what we said it was. This wasn't a matter of getting, you know, doing bad polling or something like that. This was a team that just could not find its way offensively. And eventually it exploded. That's what it ended up happening. I'll be, it exploded. This team that couldn't do anything right offensively uh, for the last two months had a first quarter like that. <laughs> 
I can only describe what happened on the first play uh, from scrimmage as a fluke. Uh, Marquise Pouncey uh, not only didn't put the snap where Ben needed it to be, he put it about five feet over his head. And from that point, although, you know, they, they, everybody still felt okay. They're, they can that's throw away where they can get back in this game, but then they get the ball back and Ben throws the interception at that point. Midway through the first quarter, do you think perhaps psychologically they were just defeated? Uh, no, because they kept playing. I mean, they kept scoring points. I mean, they actually got – yeah, they, they got back and they, they got into the game. And if it hadn't been for a, some strange calls by the head coach, you know, to try two-point conversions when he didn't need to and to go for – or to punt on a couple of fourth and ones. Right, right. I'm right. sorry, not fourth and ones, but fourth downs. Um, so no, I, I don't think they got psychologically beat up. It's just, just, you know, it was this offense. They never figured it out, you know, and they dug themselves too big a hole. If you go over the pattern of the games that they either lost in this collapse or games that they should have lost and somehow eked out, they all looked like that. They all looked like that. They'd fall behind. The offense was terrible. The offense would finally get going. Well, this team, unfortunately, won't be remembered, except perhaps with a footnote as being the team that started 11-0. It will be the team that continued the recent trend of Steelers team teams collapsing in the final months of seasons. And I think that that's something they're going to have to address uh, because it's if it happens once and then twice and then three times, I mean, you begin to think this is just a trend of these teams and how they perform at the end of seasons. Yeah. It's been a while now, you know, it's been, you know, it used to be the reverse that the Mike Tomlin teams would get stronger as you go. And they, the month of December was when they would unleash hell. Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and everything was, everything was ideal when you got to December. Well, uh, it's gone the other direction right now, uh, and, and it's been that way for a while. And if that means they need to start looking at rotating snaps, relying more on depth, I'm not sure. Well, they head into the offseason with many questions. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those questions, but in a general sense, you could see it on the on, on Coach Mike Tomlin's face at his news conference uh, on, on uh, Wednesday, that earlier today. He just looked defeated, and, and, and that's exactly how we'll read that. All right, what does it mean for next year? We're going to start with the coaches and, and what changes might need to be made, what changes will be made when Dan and I return right after this on Halftime Adjustments. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. We are talking about the Steelers' loss to the Cleveland Browns. The offseason begins. And, uh, Dan, let me go back to you with this question. And this is the first thing you talk about after seasons end like this. 
what changes need to be made? And we're going to talk about Ooh. players later on, but should one or both coordinators be fired in your opinion? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was our next topic, Elby? Yeah, right. um, <laughs> you know, the, I gave up on Randy Feetner almost as soon as he started. I didn't see any imagination. I didn't see uh, any ingenuity. I didn't see much ambition. I didn't get the sense that this was a coordinator who had any sense of direction where he wanted the team to go. Uh, it would waffle and waver from week to week. And I don't know that it was even a be the best fit for the talented hand. But if you really get down to it, a fireable offense, any coordinator in the NFL is finishing 32nd in running. Plain and simple. Uh, it's not as if the Steelers had no running back. It's not as if the Steelers had no offensive lineman of pedigree. It's not as if the Steelers had no quarterback to know how to read a running game. To finish 32nd, by and large, Albie, you're doing something really, really wrong with schematics. But that is not taking the, the blame off of anybody else. I'm not a believer in singular blame. Okay, Connor didn't run all that well. Benny Snell is lousy. Um, Anthony McFarland didn't do the stuff that we were all hoping for out of training camp. Individual players matter. But ultimately, it comes down to 32nd in the NFL. Defensively, it's a little different. Would you agree? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, and I don't – I think that's where this is going to go. I think the offensive coordinator is in big trouble. I don't think Keith Butler's in trouble um, in, in, unless I'm wrong. And to your point about 30 second, finishing 32nd in running, that's bad enough. But for the Steelers to finish 32nd, for years and years, and, and, and I've watched the Steelers for 30-some years, and, and they, they win games running the football and stopping the run. That's how they've always done it. Their defense steps up, and they pound the football. You have to have players to do that. And, and again, we'll give it a little peek into the next segment on what changes might have to be made there. But to your point, for the Steelers to finish 32nd in the NFL in running, in rushing the ball, I think I think that is that is number one well, on the, the list. The craziest part, LB, is if you go back to the early days of the season, the Steelers – had these leads. Remember in the opener against the Giants, they had these leads and they killed them. How? Ran the ball. Uh, ran it pretty well. Ate up lots of clock. And you thought to yourself, hmm, team can run a little bit too. What really ended up happening is that they stopped running. Again, this goes to, I'm sure a lot of this is on Ben and these are always mixed bags here with this stuff who called who made this call who made that call and whatever but when it came right down to it from week four or five onward the Steelers could not gain a yard when they needed it and again that came up uh, to bite them in the Cleveland game with Tomlin deciding to punt on fourth and one when they had all the other momentum going yeah, and even teams that are known as passing teams, you have to have the ability to run the football. Quick strike offenses, it's very difficult um, to, to win consistently 
if you don't have something to complement the pass with on offense. Because quick strike, defense is on the field. And then the deep, the, you, you, you want – it's not just running the ball. It's that time of possession has always been such an important thing to me and the Steelers. You keep – uh, you keep the ball, you wear down teams, you keep your defense off the field. You score with 10 play, 12 play, 14 play drives. And, and, and if you have a lead, remember how it used to be when they brought in Jerome Bettis and they had a lead and it was the fourth quarter and it was about 22 degrees at Heinz Field and the defenders would be running the other way. They didn't want to see Jerome Bettis coming towards them. You, you win games with the running game, you seal games with the running game. And clearly, they have to uh, make that one of their priorities this offseason because I, I and, 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 and I do think that Randy Finkner will pay the price for that and for the other reasons you mentioned, the unimaginative offense and everything else. Well, I also don't want to leave Keith Butler off completely. Uh, this is now two playoff games in a row where his defenses have allowed 93 total points. Two games, 93 points. Uh, and in this case, unlike Jacksonville, uh, you know, where they had Leonard Fournette, they had uh, they had kind of the element of surprise coming at the seal. This was a divisional opponent, Albie. You know, this was a divisional opponent that didn't have uh, Odell Beckham. You know, they had Baker Mayfield back there and they had a couple of running backs there who are outstanding. You know that you got a key on them. You shut them down, force Mayfield to throw and make some plays. Uh, the final two games of the season, the Steelers defense had no takeaways. After all these takeaways all season long, they had none when they needed them the most. Uh, well, I, I'm not letting Butler off the hook yeah, here. If he was to go to, I'd be okay with that. And perhaps he shouldn't be let off the hook altogether. But consider the fact that, to your point last week, Nick Chubb is arguably the best runner in football. And you have a defense without Joe Hayden, without Devin Bush, without Bud Dupree. And and I, I just think with all respect to the people who filled in, um, that was a recipe for disaster in, in, in retrospect. So uh, thanks, Dan. We're going to talk about the, what other changes need to be made. Who will be back next season as far as the Steelers players when we return on Halftime Adjustments here on WPXI Now. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. We talked about uh, what might be the fate of the Steelers coordinators, uh, Randy Fickner and Keith Butler. Uh, now we're going to talk about uh, Steelers players and who won't be back next year. I asked Mike Tomlin Day in, in his news conference earlier today um, if he thought it was realistic, given the cap implications, that Ben Roethlisberger would be back. His answer, I thought, was he didn't say a whole it lot. It was lousy. Thought, it was lousy. Yeah, Bobby. Yes, yes. But I did <laughs> think was, it was It was telling. a rotten answer but, to but, an important question. Yeah. And, and, but, but it's interesting when he says, I think there's a chance he'll be back or something. And I'm paraphrasing. That didn't exactly sound like an you know, overwhelming confidence that he'll be back. So let's start with Ben, because I think it all starts with Ben. Uh, do you think Ben Roethlisberger will be back next year as quarterback? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think there's too lousy of a feel. Boy, he's using the word lousy a lot today. Um, <laughs> too down of a feeling. Because it, it's been that kind of week, right? Absolutely. Uh, too too down of a, of a feeling for Ben to walk away from the game with a loss like that. Uh, to have that be the last thing that you do in football, 
uh, a game where you know you throw how many did he throw four interceptions four interceptions yes um, you know against the Cleveland Browns you know the whole thing the empty stadium uh, I don't think I, you know, if I can interrupt you, I don't think there's any question that Ben will, from his perspective, I think he'll be back. He wants to be back. My question is, can the Steelers afford to bring him back with a cap hit of 41 point whatever million? It, yeah, it's 41.25. But the thing is, is, if they don't bring him back, uh, you're still, you've still got a cap hit of 21 for him. Right. So now they've taken that kind of hit before. They did it just recently with Antonio Brown. Uh, but again, to what effect? What are you doing that for? Uh, you know, can you find a way to set yourself up so that Ben Roethlisberger comes back? But, but it's understood that if he keeps having first quarter warmups, okay, which is what he ended up using the first quarter for all season, uh, then that's a real problem. And they're going to have to try to find other ways to mitigate that up to and including saying, look, you know, maybe who knows, Mason Rudolph will start the game and you come in in the second quarter or something. I don't know. You know, this is, okay. you see what I'm saying? There there has to be some kind of, there, there has to be some kind of difference that's put into place here. Okay. He, you know, he takes Wednesdays off practices. Okay, fine. He's 38. He's going to be 39. That's pretty much standard operating procedure around the NFL. But what if it affects your performance? You know, Randy Feetner actually went public at one point during the season saying that the receivers, one of the reasons the receivers were dropping the ball so much was that they weren't used to seeing it from Ben's hand in practice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's where it all starts. Uh, but let's, let's go through the list. Uh, I say Juju's gone. Do you agree? I did for a while. And, and now I'm not so sure. Uh, I, I think that there, there's a contract that could be had there. And at the wide receiver position, the Steelers are fortunate in that they don't have to pay really anybody else because they're all so young, you know? So they right. could say, all right, look, if we pay Juju, whatever that, you know, the rate is 15 a year or something like that, we can handle that because we're not paying anybody else there. All right. Uh, James Conner, is he back? I say no. Gone. No, gone. Just gone, gone, gone. No, you, you, the running back position needs to be blown to bits. I mean, Anthony McFarland will be back, but everybody, the, the running back room as a whole, there's no use for Conner. There's no use for Snell. There's certainly no use for Jalen Samuels. Uh, McFarland will be back and should be back uh, as a, you know, somebody who has a chance to still grow and, and get better. Uh, but they need to find some running backs. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, uh, Alejandro Villanueva. I say no. He's he's going to be done. And when I say done, I, I believe that he's going to be done with football. Uh, I don't I don't think you're going to see him sign with another team unless they were to come with with significant money. And why would you do that after watching the season that he just had? I mean, he got physically overwhelmed at times. Um, we saw that early in his career when he was still learning how to get his footing and he was learning how to get adjusted to all that bulk that he added. Remember, he was a wide receiver and tight end in college. Uh, he kind of created himself into a tackle. That didn't work for him this year. 
um, all of the guile and all of the courage and everything else in the world. And, you know, heaven knows he's got a, a ton of the latter. Uh, weren't going to help him this season. Um, who else do you think notable will be uh, no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler? Well, I mean, Bud is the one that jumps out. I mean, right, right. Bud, that's you right. Know, there, there, there's, yeah, there's no way that Bud uh, – you know, I had a like a kind of like a, a vision at one point of what, what would you do if you said, all right, look, we're going to get rid of Ben. And – you're going to say, we're going to take this money, that extra 20 million that I just described and give it to Bud Dupree and come roaring back with a defense that is still everything that you saw early in the season. Um, there are some people that would give that serious thought. Um, let's not forget that the Steelers were 11 and 0 with Bud, right? And they went one and five without him. That's that's pretty stinging stuff. Yeah. Well, those are certainly uh, four or five of the key players. Uh, and as we've discussed, many of them will not be back. We will, however, be back right after this. You like that? That was the heck of a segue there. We will mm. be back with our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments right after this. Welcome back for our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments. Hey, it's always good news when the hockey season kicks off. That happened uh, earlier this evening, Dan. And what are you hearing about baseball possibly starting up as well? Well, baseball is going to be in a little bit of a different boat. Baseball is still waiting on uh, deciding certain things going into a labor contract year, as if things weren't complicated enough. Players, I think, want to have spring training shortened, and they want to have it shortened and delayed until they get a vaccine. Mm, you know, but at the same time, they can't and won't, from what I'm told, step in front of anybody's line. So if you push back spring training until a vaccine can be responsibly distributed uh, to the playoffs or to the players without them jumping in front of the line, that's a little different. You know, now you can conduct a spring training in a regular season without the super hyper intensive protocol. Well, um, now that hockey's underway in the shortened season of 56 games, we'll have all eyes on baseball to see if they might follow suit. Dan, thank you. Dan joining us from the other side of the state. We appreciate for you uh, the fact that you joined us here on WPXI Now. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Dan. We'll see you next week.